The Mets are back. How sweet it is. The Mets went to Arizona and swept the first place Diamondbacks. The June swoon is over. The Mets are 5-0 in July. And they head to San Diego with a whole lot of momentum before the all-star break. We are here to talk about it. And I will be joined by former executive producer and comedy writer for the Elvis Duran show on Z100. He's now the co-host of the Brooklyn Boys and a fellow rabid Mets fan. That's David Brody will join me on a new episode of Amazing But True from the New York Post. It's coming up next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York, folks. It's out of here. We got you. And he flies one deep right field. McCarthy back near the wall. It's out of here. Francisco Alvarez ties the game. Two out, two strikes. Home run at the top of the ninth. Thinking right center this time, but he drills this one too deep for a triple. That's going to sail out of here. Francisco Lindor is four for four. That's his 18th home run of the year. Fly ball, center field. Tommy Pham coming in. He's there, and the ball game is over. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Jake Brown. Joining me a little bit later in the show will be former executive producer and comedy writer for the Elvis Durant Show. That would be David Brody. He's also done some stuff with SNY as well. So David will join me in just a bit. Those highlights you heard courtesy of SNY. The Mets are back and they're better than ever. Hey, now, hey, now, the Mets are back. Forget the June swoon. Who are those guys? The July Mets have replaced the bodies of the June Mets. And boy, is it a beautiful thing. A sweep. How sweep it is. In Arizona, 100 degrees, keeping it 100 in the words of Gary Cohn, who said it on the broadcast. The Mets go in Arizona and sweep the first-place Diamondbacks, and what a series it was, capped off by the only time the D-backs have been shut out all season, at the hands of Cookie and Lindor, the grass-growing bobblehead, Francisco Lindor. Que lo que mani. Five for five day for Lindor, his first five hit game of his career, his first two triple game of his career. He was a double from the cycle, which on the second double he could have had. But listen, always take the extra pace. You're not thinking about yourself in the cycle. If it's going to be an easy triple, you take it. Francisco Lindor is saying, screw the all-star game. I'll take the vacation. And you know what? I'm not mad about it. I'm not one of those guys who'd be mad about being snubbed for the All-Star for a guy who literally played sick on Wednesday, was probably still sick Thursday, had IVs Wednesday, lineup came out late, 
He said he's good to go. He could use this break. Let him enjoy the time with his newborn daughter, his two kids, his wife and the family. Relax for a few days. And, you know, come back, like, keep hitting the baseball like you are. Driving in runs, hitting homers. Man, we want to talk about hitting homers. Francisco Alvarez is on another dimension right now. Alvarez, a homer in his last three games, homer in each game in Arizona, homer in his four of his last five games. Francisco Alvarez, folks, despite, you know, getting hit by a pitch by Jose Ruiz after his maybe home run celebration later in the game, said maybe you should strike me out. Well, you can't. He's hitting piss missiles. He's on pace for 30 homers, and he didn't even start the year with this team. And when they did bring him up, he still wasn't playing all the time. Tomas Nita was getting chances. Gary Sanchez was getting chances. Omar Navarro's got chances. It's Alvarez's job now. And my God, the cojones on that beautiful man on Wednesday. Down to the final strike. The pitch before nearly, if he if the catcher caught it, it could have been a foul tip strikeout. To hit a homer to tie the game is just cojones. Brass ones. Brass balls for Francisco Alvarez. To keep the win streak going, your New York Mets are 5-0 and in the month of July, the best team July can buy, flying high. And now they go to San Diego for three more before the All-Star break. And if they could close out with a sweep or two out of three, well, listen, you are still under 500. This team is still five games under. A sweep, you're still two games under. But for a team that last week, was dead in the water for a team that we were saying no shot. They could turn this around because they haven't proven it. It only took five days. They did this to us in May. Do not do it to us again. Mets. You teased us in May with that five days in flushing. Don't reel us in again to only punch us in the face. Cause the team I saw in Arizona this week, is the team we expected to see coming into this season. A resilient bunch, a team with heart, a team with young talent, a team with veteran talent. And that's Lindor and Alonzo finally breaking out of that slump, homering on Thursday. Carlos Carrasco, eight shutout innings on Thursday. Kodai Senga, eight dominant innings, one run and a homer. Alvarez backed him up and Canna said, let me finish the job with a go-ahead triple in the ninth inning. I got emotional in the ninth inning on Wednesday night. I'm not even going to lie. There may have been a tear coming out of my eye when Alvarez homered, when Canna hit the go-ahead triple. Oh, wow. The oh, wow, Gary Cohen is unmatched. Best broadcaster in baseball. And it was emotional because you were reminded one of those five days in May, those miracle five days. You don't want to talk about the Rays games, the comeback in the ninth, the Cleveland series they swept. That week was magical, reeled us all back in. And then June said, wipe that all away. But now July is like, I mean, this is truly a Disney roller coaster ride. I don't know what coaster is. It's the Harry Potter coaster. Is it the rock and roller coaster? Is it the Incredible Hulk? Kind of like Hulk because you go from angry to normal. Like it has affected your mood. But my God, am I feeling great. Fourth of July week, the Mets are in five in a row. The spirits are unmatched. We have raised our level and life is good again when the Mets are good. It's crazy to think that they are still 41 and 46. Take the little things here. This team is now six and a half out of the wild card. Coming out of last Friday, they were 10 games out. So that show that we dropped 
the last episode before the positive Monday, we were calling the season basically over. But you knew this team had this somewhere. You didn't know if it was going to come too late, though. But it hit right at the right time. And now you cannot lose your momentum and go to San Diego to face the other underachieving team in baseball and lose. You cannot do it. Man, if they sweep and it's an eight-game win streak going to the All-Star break, you almost want to just skip the All-Star break and keep playing baseball. The All-Star break could hurt the Mets in some ways because the mojo they're riding right now, you got guys go away and go on a break. You only got Pete Alonso going. Everyone else is either on a vacation or home chilling. You worry that that break will hurt them. But that's, you know, let's not think about that. Let's think about the positives, and that's the starting pitching. The first time since 2015 that two Mets starters back-to-back days have gotten eight innings since Cologne and Syndergaard in August 2nd and 3rd, 2015. I mean, it's been eight years, eight innings. We're not even talking about a complete game. And we continue to say, if the starting pitching is good, that'll help the bullpen. Well, it surely is, folks. Of course, after we released the show, the Mets made a trade on Monday, and the guy that got in the trade made his debut on Thursday and, and had a nice inning, a scoreless inning. And he put him in a no-pressure spot, 9 nothing, bottom of the ninth, going for the sweep. He got the job done. Trevor got, got Mets. See, you have to make sure people know that means got milk because I did wear my stepbrother's shirt, of course, as I always do, to summer club, and people didn't know what the shirt meant or had never seen stepbrothers. And I was like, go home. Or I said, you ain't, you don't gotta go. You ain't gotta go home. You gotta get the hell out of here. But really, go home. Got milk. Trevor got Chris Flexen came back with you know they designated for an assignment. They released him, so they're eating Chris Flexen's cash and basically replaced Mucky and Hearn with Got, which is an upgrade. Listen, Got has had a wild, erratic career, kind of all over, but he's having career year with a four ERA, which isn't good. But for the Mets, he's better than Jeff Brigham, who got sent down. And coincidence, much that since Jeff Brigham was sent down, the Mets look incredible. I mean, they haven't needed him much. Scherzer struggled Tuesday, but they gave him the run support. Sang a dominant Wednesday. They didn't give him the run support till the magical ninth. And then Thursday, they only needed one run because Carlos Carrasco was brilliant. And I'm looking at you, all the cookie haters. I'm looking at you when you had said McGill would be better than cookie in the rotation. Peterson would be better than cookie in the rotation. Joey Lucchese would be better than cookie in the rotation. Throw his ERA out the window because that ERA was from starts early in the season where he got rocked. And he was basically hurt. Carlos Carrasco's given up two or less runs in six of his last eight starts. Cookie has been a formidable piece of the rotation, just like he was last year. And there were people who forgot that because he had a little bit of a rough patch. I'm a big cookie guy. Yes, I do love cookies, but I also love cookie Carrasco. And he is really kicking into gear. And it's a perfect time because David Peterson will get another start this weekend in San Diego. And then it's Quintana time. This is the guy who gave 13 million years starter coming off a career sub three ERA season. You put him in this rotation and suddenly, you know, if Verlander has a good start again this weekend. Scherzer's been solid Four runs. Wasn't great, but outside of that, he was okay. And then he's been solid. Sanga has been brilliant. Now cookie. Good. Now you throw Quintana in there and maybe this Mets, these Mets stars will start giving you innings. Maybe they will show up. But five-game win streak and Wednesday just – it's one of those games that you're reminded why you're a fan of this team. You're reminded why you love this game so much was that ninth inning. I mean, if you weren't re-watching those highlights again Thursday, are you really a fan? That was special. And that was the game where, like, something's cooking here. I don't think this is a fluke. I don't think they're going to get swept in San Diego. I don't think they're going to, you know, go back to their old ways. And listen, they might lose – Friday, but like breathe if they lose. 
go out on Saturday and Sunday. I think it is crucial for this team to win this series and go into the all-star break a brand new team, especially if they could get this thing around, you know, the five to six game range in the wild card going into the all-star break. I think that's pivotal. But man, what a day for Lindor just coming short of the cycle. What a week for Alvarez homering left and right. Jeff McNeil's woke up a little bit. It's not just Tommy Pham hitting now. They're playing good baseball. It's the first time the Diamondbacks have been swept all season. So this wasn't a fluke either. They beat a very good Diamondbacks team. 8-5, nothing. Two of the games pretty easily. Ninth, they got a little close on Tuesday on the 4th of July when we had our fireworks debate. Are they overrated or not? But these are the 2022 Mets. These Mets was the saying last year. I'll root for these Mets. I like these Mets. These Mets are fun again. These Mets are electric. The Mets are back and they're better than ever. No more June swoon. July is here. I got to start making jingles. Look at the jingle guy. Jingle Jake, they'll call me. Mets have 12 homers in the last five games, 275 average. ERA for the staff, pitching staff is two. And suddenly they're not behind seven, six teams in the wild card. The Phillies are the third wild card. After that, Giants, Brewers, and then in your New York Metropolitans, who are tied with the Padres, and obviously they could change that this weekend. They take two out of three. I was originally supposed to go to this series, but it's not happening now. I'm not happy about it. I would love to be in San Diego, but they're playing well enough where I, I, you know, keep this going, and I'll go to Boston for Mets Red Sox. I have a lot of people I want to see in Boston, and I will make that trip. Six and a half back, Giants half, Brewers one. And the Phillies will play the Marlins this weekend. So if the Mets can win, they'll gain ground no matter what. The Marlins are the first wild card. So, you know, you would love the Marlins to probably beat up on the Phillies and gain some ground. Maybe the Giants lose too. But you're not, you know, it's too early to start schedule watching who's playing who. Just keep winning. Just win, baby. Just keep winning. Ah, this is fun, man. Coming up next. On Amazing But True, we'll bring on a diehard Mets fan. You've seen him recently on SNY and Mets Off Day Live. He's a former executive producer and comedy writer for the Elvis Durant Show. Let's welcome in David Brody to Amazing But True. Obviously, we, we need to pass that IV around. Okay, we're back. Amazing But True podcast. Jake Brown here at Jake Brown Radio on Twitter. Follow the show at Amazing But True. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, and you can watch our beautiful faces right now on the New York Post Sports YouTube page. Follow that Amazing But True playlist. Give us a thumbs up. Comment below how you feel now about the Mets. The comments are going to look a whole lot different they did than they did about a week ago, won't they? Our guest joins us now, David Brody, former executive producer, comedy writer, the Elvis Duran Morning Show. He is now the co-host of the Brooklyn Boys podcast, and apparently he's going to send me a song he wrote for Figgy once. To the tune of getting wiggy with it, as we all know, as getting figgy with it. David Brody, follow him on Twitter at David Brody. David, welcome to the program. How you doing? I'm good. Listen, you you just mentioned how the the vibes are good for the Mets. I, you asked me a few days ago to do this podcast with you, and I was all ready to be negative and and have criticisms and talk about their collapse. And now that they win five in a row, I have to rewrite the script. Yeah, and you're you are a script writer, so you legit are rewriting the script. Are you writing a script of the 2023 Mets? Because it's it's shaping up to be a Pulitzer Prize winner if this team turns this around and goes on some magical run and and me and you are on a float down the canyon of heroes in November. You know what? It's an interesting script, but I don't know if anyone would get past chapter two when they started being terrible. Uh, if you can get past that and get to this part, yeah. I think it's one of those you have to pick it up in the middle and say, all right, you know, July 2023, as if nothing else happened. 
Yeah, it's like when you put the uh, the pictures in the middle of the book, and sometimes I'm not a big reader, so I'll go right to the pictures in the middle. The middle is July fun. It's the 5-0 and in July. <laughs> I did it once on a plane, it was Lisa Ann's book. So that's one time I probably shouldn't go to the pictures in the middle of the book because you don't know what's coming up in uh, I was going to reference when you talk about pictures in the middle of the book, you're clearly talking about Playboy magazine and the centerfold <laughs> back when they used to have those and people cared. Well, David, the the Mets are Playboy right now. This is Playboy yes. baseball, and like I said in the open, like I hope they don't tease us like the five days in Flushing in May, right. where they beat Tampa Bay, they beat Cleveland. That series like sucked us all back in. We're like, all right, the Mets are back. We're saying the Mets are back right now. Wins like Wednesday remind us of the magic of last year and the resiliency and the comebacks and young guys stepping up like Alvarez. Do you think this is just a tease here, or did this team actually turn it around and maybe something the the calendar changing in July hit them? Well, remember uh, 2015 when they picked up Cespedes at the trade deadline and they took off? Mm-hmm. I feel like the Gott trade may be the equivalent this year. They traded for Gott. They showed faith in the organization. They added, you know, they took on the $4 million of Chris Flexen's money. They made it look like they were making an effort and the team turned around. So I'm going with Gott is the new Cespedes. And yes, this is for real. Wow. The Gott trade. The Gott the- trade. God turn the season around. Not God. It was right. God. His That's four right. ERA turned this season around. And Francisco Lindor not making the all-star game was irrelevant because he said, I'm going to hit for a near cycle and I'm going to tear the cover off the ball. And the Mets are clicking on all cylinders. I was fine with the trade. I didn't, you know, I wasn't like, oh, wow, this is incredible. And I also wasn't like, all right, who cares? Zach Muckenheim was was not good and, you know, wasn't doing anything for this team. I'm curious if Flexen is back at some point, if they bring him back and, you know, cause this guy a couple of years ago was very good. And there's a reason he was getting paid decently because he had a good couple of year run there. So we'll see how that trade ends up working out. Got Like I said, the scoreless inning on Thursday, but like, this is what reminds us, David, of why we're Mets fans. Like we get so hyped over these wins that in the grand scheme of thing, their wins to get them closer to 500. It's not like their wins getting them closer to first place. It's them getting closer to having the even amount of wins and losses, which is still so freaking far from where we expected. But it reminds you, like, it's this ride of being a Mets fan that these regular season games and those wins like Wednesday mean something to us. They get us emotional, and it's why we choose the orange and blue and why you got the orange and blue jersey, the the blue like me, and why you got the backdrop you do. Oh, yeah, that's my podcast backdrop, which, of course, is blue and orange. We made the podcast colors Mets colors because I'm obsessed. Yeah, it's when you have a... $595 $595 million payroll and you're excited about creeping closer to 500, you realize that you're rooting for the Mets. You, you made a great point, Jake, because any other franchise would be like, oh my God, but this is a travesty. The season's over. And we're like, hey, five in a row. Look, we're, we're only five games under 500 now. That's a win. So they are creeping closer to being buyers at the deadline. And I have to be honest with you, if they're not going to win, I like when teams are sellers because then you get young prospects and you get you load your farm system up and you get rid of dead weight. And I was already writing off Marte to the Yankees and and Robertson gone. And I'm thinking about what we can get in the package for, you know, for whoever. And now they're looking like they're going to keep everybody. And the last place you want to be is in the middle, which has always been the Knicks problem. They don't get the top draft choices. They're not they're not winning. They're right in the middle. And I, I'm worried about that part. I want to know what you thought about that. I, I listen, I'm the same, you know, don't meet me in the middle. Like the, like the song, do not do it. Do the opposite. Meet me in the middle. No, thanks. I think this team, and that's why I think this series is so important in San Diego. Cause you have to keep one, this positive mojo going. 
you got to get closer. This is a team where you're neck and neck with your tide right now with in the wild card. Another team you could pass, you know, inch a little bit close in the wild card. And you go on the all-star break, say five, five and a half potentially out of the wild card. And this is a whole different season than it was when they were 10 out last Friday. When you end the month of June, 10 out. And then, you know, you got a tough schedule coming up. You got the Dodgers after that. Another team you can gain ground on the wild card. But then you get the White Sox and Red Sox. You get the Sox in there. You know, by the All-Star break, this team and then the Nationals are then the Yankees and the Nationals. This team could be within three if they just keep playing winning baseball and winning series against teams they should beat. So I would not like to be in the middle. I agree with you. If they're out of it, I think you sell pieces. I'm a little indifferent on Marte. I don't think his value is great enough now to trade him. He's still got two more years on his contract. Where Robertson's a rental, you get rid of him. Fam is a rental, you get rid of him. If anyone wants Vogel back, hey, he's hitting a little bit here. He's showing some life. I'll give him some credit because, you know, we all wrote him off, and I still would rather his spot be taken by Ronnie Mauricio and not Danny Mendick and not Luis Guillorme and and not, and not uh, DJ Stewart. No offense to him, although he had a nice, you know, sacrifice flying his first Mets at bat. I would like to see the young guys here, but we'll see. If you're buyers, the key is getting one more key reliever. I mean, God was solid, but he's got a four-year array and he's got a career like four or five-year array. Get yourself an elite reliever, someone like a Chafin who you didn't sign, who thank God he gave him that homer because if he takes the Mets down one, two, three, you're thinking to yourself, why didn't they just sign him? Why didn't the Mets just bring in Andrew Chafin as a lefty out of the pen? Have him with Brooks Raley. Worst case, you got two lefties. So I think you go for an arm. And then maybe a bat, maybe a DH kind of bat. But I don't know. I don't think they're in dire straits for a bat right now. I don't think they're in dire need for a bat. What What's your target here? If this team plays like it does, do you go for a DH? Do you go for, you know, a closer type of piece? What do you do here at the deadline? I think you have to do both. I think if you get a relief pitcher, your lineup is still weak. Last night aside, you know, the 9 nothing game, they need another hitter. Alvarez has been great. I'm sorry. I know Vogelback had two hits last night. I, I get it. But he shouldn't be batting fifth. That's a problem for me. The guy's a 200 hitter, and he's not trying to find himself. He's a career 200 hitter. And the fact that they're not bringing up Voight at the very least, and the fact that, that DJ Stewart had a sack fly, and we remember it as a great moment in the season, uh, tells you all you need to know about their offense. So uh, I like uh, I like a bullpen piece for sure. Maybe bullpen piece and then bat right under it. But when you've got Ronnie Mauricio in the minors, I can't I can't understand why you, you're not trading him, right? You've already talked about how you're keeping the farm system. You're building up the farm system. You've got him in the minors. You're not bringing him up. You were 10 games under 500, and you still weren't desperate. You still weren't looking to. So for me, you're wasting at bats on Vogelback. They waste. I don't know why you brought up Danny Mendick. You needed a backup to Luis Guillorme. Like you need a backup utility infielder to your utility infielder. This left-right obsession that Buck has. Mark Canna has better statistics against righties than Vogelback does. He's coming off a game-winning triple, and you bench him. And then you look at J.D. Davis's article last week about how he was glad to get out of the Mets because there's no consistency. You hit a home run, they bench you the next day. It's exactly right. They took Beatty out of the lineup. I, I think he may be dinged up a little bit. He had but, a hamstring injury, so that... Yeah, yeah so they I'm, took him out fine, but Guillaume and Vogelback are your options for the lineup, and you've got... Hey, listen, Luke Voigt's got to be have something left in the tank, right? He's hitting yeah, well, runs. I think Voigt... Because what's the point of Stewart when you have all these outfielders? I don't think they needed another outfielder here, so Voigt made more sense in that case. Yep. I mean, Voigt for Ro Vogelback is the obvious replacement, but obviously Buck and the Mets have this fascination with Vogelback. You know, it's hitting, hitting a little bit better. I agree he shouldn't be hitting fifth, but... 
I mean, it's hard to complain when they won nine nothing, but that's no, the negative hard, hard to the program. Those are all pos- those are all accurate things because there is no consistency with the lineup. When a guy has a great night who's on the fringe, he might not be there the next night. And that's what's happened. It happened, you know, I, we talked about it many times with Mark Vientos. You know, he hits that big homer. Next day he was out of the lineup in that five days in flushing. So there has not been a lot of consistency. And I agree, you know, Mauricio is not a trade piece. Why not have him here? And the argument is, oh, you want to give him more at-bats, more reps. His defense is shoddy. I get that. But I still think you can give him the at-bats here. You can get him four days a week here as a DH, as a backup third baseman. If you want to pitch him when the lefty's out there, put him at third base. You got to live with some of the poor defense. But he could provide that spark, like we keep mentioning, Ellie De La Cruz has in Cincinnati. You know, that could be the spark going into the deadline. That could go out there, and you could trade other pieces to get – more players. So we'll see how that works out in the next couple of weeks. But what a ride it has been. Jake Brown, David Brody, Amazing But True podcast. Elvis Duran, your last year was last year. You know, I, I told you I'm buddies with Crystal Rosas on the afternoon show. What was it like working with such an iconic figure? What was that like? And, you know, what what did you do? You wrote different scripts for him. Tell us your role there and how special of a run it was. Elvis is a very talented, normal guy. He's just really good at what he does, like anybody in any other job. He doesn't act like he's a legend in radio, even though he is absolutely a legend in radio, uh, radio uh, Hall of Fame inductee. He just comes in and talks. He emotes. He has compassion for things that listeners are going through. He has an ability to talk about 9-11 and tragedy and then go right into making people laugh again and entertained. And uh, that's a gift. As far as what I did, in addition to being executive producer and all the boring stuff that you have to do and meet with sales and tell people when to go to commercial and all. I wrote comedy bits. I wrote song parodies. I wrote sports team anthems. If one of the New York local teams, or since we were nationally syndicated, I, ha- I had to write Philly songs occasionally or Eagle songs, you know, other things. I also wrote comedy. Uh, if you're a fan of Howard Stern and you know what Jackie, the joke man did and, and Fred and, and uh, I wrote jokes, questions, and one-liners for members of the show as it was live. So I had a stack of scrap paper and a pen in my hand. And as they were talking, you know, Danielle would do an entertainment story and I might write something like a punchline or, you know, whatever, a joke or a, a quip or an insult to someone else on the show. And it was just more like seasoning. By no means am I implying they needed me to do that. Everyone on the show is very funny, but I added to it. So uh, I would uh, come up with things on the spur of the moment that maybe while they're talking, they're not thinking of because I have the luxury of not talking and standing back and doing that. And then, you know, I wrote the listener games and contests. And when Greg T, the frat boy was on the show, I helped create some of his stunt ideas and things of that nature. So there's no scripts. When you said, you know, did you write scripts? It's live. We didn't plan the show. You know, people will ask, well, you know, did you know what you were doing at 8.05? Or did you? So I'll be honest with you. Some radio morning shows in the country, they will at least have an outline of what they're going to do. You know, oh, we're going to talk about romance and, and dating at seven o'clock. And then when the kids in school, we'll, we'll talk about sex at 750. And then we'll talk about this st- new story. Today. We don't do that. Uh, everyone comes in with a stack of ideas and stack of papers and we just go. And then somebody might call in with a funny phone call and then we just riff on what they called about. And everything we had planned goes out the window. No, there wasn't there wasn't a script writing, but uh, there was stuff to write. I kept, you know, I kept busy for for 24 years for sure. 24 years. So I assume there was a Mets jingle in 06, 2015. Were, were there oh, you're jingles not going when the team was enough. winning? You're not going back far enough, Jake. 2000, 2000 I got the Baja men to record Who Let the Mets Out. Ah, uh, that yes. was a, That was a start. In 2006, I got Lucas Prada, who's a, a local uh, dance uh, singer, 
uh, rhythmic. You'd hear him a lot on KTU. Just he had a, the he, song. I know it. I know. Uh, it. And we say, it's "Let's it. go Mets." Yeah. Let's, Let's go, go Mets. Yep. Wrote yeah. that. Lucas. Oh, that was, you. So what? Do you did you you wrote that or you brought them in and did they performed it? Because uh, I remember who let the Mets out was on Z100. I was only nine then. I, I hate to age you. I'm 32. That's okay. That's all right. I'm, I, I was nine years old. So that was my first year, full year as a Mets fan. And I love the Baja man because who let the dogs out? They had to move it like this was their other hit, but who let the Mets out was a banger. That was Z100. So that's when you were there. That's interesting. That was me. So we contacted the Baja men and they were all too happy to, when you work at Z100, it's the biggest pop radio station on the planet. Yeah. So people are, are willing to, to work with you. Uh, so in 2006, uh, I had seen, a, I think for the video of, and she said, which is the original song, Lucas Prada had a, a t-shirt on uh, that said Queens on it. I said, oh my God, he's from Queens. So I reached out to the record label, reached out to him. And he's like, I grew up a Mets fan. I said, well, I have some ideas for the song. He says, you write it, I'll sing it. So he, I wrote it and I worked with him and his producer on singing it and phrasing and, you know, and how I wanted it to, to sound. And, you know, we released it in 2006. I rewrote it for 2015. I rewrote it for last year. In fact, last year's version, which I think is online, if you search for it, I added the Timmy trumpets. So at the beginning, it's, uh, and after the first verse, it goes, and it goes back into the lyrics. Uh, in 2007, I had Kat DeLuna. She had a hit called uh, Wine Up. Uh, I changed that to Rise Up, and we played that at Shea Stadium. Um, oh. And and that was a pretty big hit. 2015, I had a big a big hit, but it wasn't by the original singer. It was to a Macklemore song. Uh, so, yeah, anytime the, the Mets, uh, in 2009, you may have heard, um, let's see, what was the, the big Yankee song? Oh, uh, Run This Town. I did Yankees Run This Town that sounded like Jay-Z and Rihanna. Uh, mm -hmm. Jay-Z told me he liked it. Uh, the Yankees played it at the World Series. I did uh, You Got a Feeling by uh, Black Eyed Peas for the Phillies. And so when the Yankees played the Phillies, my songs were playing in both stadiums during the World Series. Oh. So uh, that was good. It was a while ago, but yeah. So whenever, and I did it for the Devils, when, uh, whenever a local team for the Giants, I did uh, I'm Blue. Daba D, if you remember that song, I did Big of Blue. Course. It's it's now the, one of the most popular songs, the remake of it in the country right now by uh, David Guetta on Blue. So, yeah, that's cool. As someone who, you know, I, I'll do freestyle raps about my different teams on these podcasts. You know, we used to also have the Yankees and Knicks and Nets podcast. I do our Jets and our Rangers and Giants as well. So as someone who likes jingles and, and rapping about, you know, the team, what's going on, I respect that. And, yeah, and we say, let's go Mets. And we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Mets. definitely had that on my, uh, maybe it was Napster back then. <laughs> might've been, uh, might've been, uh, Apple. I don't remember if I had Spotify. All right, I'll then. pretend you paid for but, it. It's okay. <laughs> probably. Maybe I used bar mitzvah money to get it on uh, nice. Apple at some point. Uh, when I used to download the clean version of songs in high school, cause I didn't curse. So I would download songs that I could rap and sing along to without cursing. So, Wow, that is pretty cool. I didn't realize uh, you're part of that. We got Pedro Glavin, Floyd, and David Wright. New York, I'm looking at all the lyrics now because you, you you do a good well, job. If you of look at the lyrics, of the player. You Although you like... mentioned Aaron Hallman, which he could he could have been left out. Yeah, I, I mentioned. I think I mentioned 24 out of the 25 or something like that. You'll notice the only player who got first and last name respect was David Wright. If you look at the lyrics, so he he was my favorite at the time. He's still my favorite. Yeah, well, Guillermo um, Moda didn't deserve Guillermo being in there. He cheated you know, <laughs> a few times. He wasn't well, the best. You know who ruined guy. who ruined that song was um, was Xavier Nady, uh, because I when he got traded, I had to rewrite the song because the the it it ended. Per it was like I think I rhymed baby with Nady. It was great, and then the car accident happened where they had to trade him for uh, Oliver Perez. Yeah, so you have to be careful when you write a song because if you write it too early, players come and go. 
And if, and if you don't want to write it too late, cause then it's, you don't have it in time. Uh, and you have, and then they may collapse. I've written songs for, so for instance, the, uh, the 2017 song with Cat DeLuna, her record label was very excited. We went into the studio with Red One, who's a big producer, worked with Lady Gaga. He wasn't a big name at the time, at least that you'd know him. And we, we record it and we're playing it on Z100. And they're all excited because, you know, the, the Mets were dominant that year, right? And they're like, oh, Kat's going to sing it at the playoffs and Super and the World Series. And then they collapsed. And her management, I don't remember what country they were from, but they, they weren't originally from America. And I don't think they understood collapsing, right? Whether it was 17, 17 games left, right? And they were like, what do you mean you're not going to play anymore? I said, well, the season's over. What do you mean the season's over? Because they had spent a lot of money, time, and effort into getting this produced. And I'm like, well, they 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 choked. They collapsed. They they what? It was like uh, the it, phantom song. It was like phantom playoff tickets from uh, from those yeah. years. Yeah, it was like it was like you know what? Like the shirts they shipped to the third world countries, the world champion. That's what happened to my song. They were playing it in, in some third world country sometime around November of that year. Because of the collapse. So my co-host Nelson Figueroa knows a lot about that. At least the second one in 2008, uh, that collapse. He was a part of that. So and you have get figured with it. So we'll play that if we go. Well, we might not be able to play the show, but we'll tweet that or post part of that. Well, if the Mets going to run here. Me and you are going to collab on a jingle for the 2023 Mets as someone who I can write good songs about my team because I I'm good at rhyming things in my head and. The Mets have some rhymable names, some not as rhymable as others. So we'll make a song for that. And then before we let you go, I know you said, what do you have a Daniel Murphy story for me? A friend of the program who is now raking in AAA, who I wish the Mets would have signed from the Long Island Ducks. He had a quick ride in the Queens. It would have been easy. Murphy, he told us on the podcast, he has a new swing before the season started, before he started with the Ducks. He raking, he continues to rake. It might be back in the big league. So what's your Murph story? Okay. So I, I believe it was 2008. He was a rookie. So I, it was, it was eight or nine, but I think it was eight. He had just come off his first week and a half or two weeks of baseball. He, he came off. If you remember, uh, I don't know how old you are at the time before you remind me, uh, he had a really great first couple of weeks and he was like the, the new big thing. And so I'm in the Mets clubhouse store on 42nd street. And the guy in the back is unpacking jerseys. They're Daniel Murphy jerseys. I said, Oh, you got Murphy jerseys. He says, yeah. He, the rookie's hit is he's tearing it up and everyone's been demanding it. We just got them in and he's putting them on hangers and he's, you know, hanging them up. I said, yeah, the kid looks really good. I'm excited about him. As I'm talking to him about Daniel Murphy, Daniel Murphy comes in with a couple of people, a girl and a couple of friends of his, and they're shopping in the store and they're looking around and they're buying merchandise and he's buying Mets gear. And I, I go up to him. I said, Hey, I know who you are. You're, you're Daniel Murphy. Can I get a picture with you? And we took a picture and I, I'm talking to him about, you know, the team and, and his, his fast start. And the manager figures out who I'm talking to. He comes over and takes a picture with Daniel. And then uh, one of the sales guys comes over and takes a picture with Daniel. And and now and everyone, people in the store are like, who's this guy? Why is everybody taking a picture with Daniel Murphy? So he goes about buying more stuff and he goes up to the register. And, and it was the time when there were bracelets that had your player names on them. And he's like, oh, of course, Wright's got a bracelet. I don't have one of those. Give me a David Wright bracelet. He goes, give me three of those for all my friends. And the girl behind the counter is helping him buy stuff. And he's got a whole bunch of Met gear. I don't know why he's paying for it. He's Daniel Murphy. I was going to say, he could get all this free from the team. Right. right. So he, after all this happens, he goes to the register and he gives the credit card. And the girl says to him, I'm going to need to see some ID. Oh, my goodness. And so I'm laughing because, and he's laughing because everybody in the store knows he's Daniel Murphy. And the manager comes running over and he goes, no, 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 no. It's okay. You don't need to get ID. She goes, but you told me that I have to get, she goes, not him. 
It's okay. We know who he is. So they don't do that anymore. Back in the days, you need an ID with your car. And now people yeah. just take the card, even if it doesn't have your name. So that's correct. That's good. All right. And then what's your Ricky Henderson story? Oh, which, boy. Is more, which is more PG 13. Uh, parents, you're going to want to put your kids in the other room. Uh, spring training 98, which by the way, this Jersey, if you can see it is a Tom Seaver spring training, 98 actually worn by Tom Seaver Jersey. It was my first year at Z 100 and I had made connections with the Mets. I had given them, uh, you know, the, the Phil Collins song and it ends with no mo, no mo. I don't care anymore. And it ends mm-hmm. with no mo, no mo. Well, mm-hmm. I realized that sounded like no mo and no mo was on the team. So I reached out to the Mets and I said, you should play that when he comes out. And they did. And so I made connections. So I want, I was going to be in Florida and I said, Hey, can I get passes to come to spring training? They said, absolutely. You work at Z 100 and you're a Mets fan. Sure. So I got credentials. I'm all excited. I'm a, you know, I'm a 12 year old kid. I'm a Mets fan. And I get to go in the locker room and I'm interviewing players and Mookie Wilson got naked in front of me. It's very strange. Mookie Wilson, you know, you, you idolize Mookie Wilson and now he's naked. He was cooking in front of me a couple of weeks ago, his new catering business. He was, was he dressed? He was cooking. He was dressed. I didn't okay. see. <laughs> I did not see him naked. Yeah, I was talking to him. I was recording him on a dat, getting IDs, and he's like, "Yeah." Anyway, so and he's undressing in front of me, and he takes his cup off. I'm like, "Oh my god!" Oh. Make eye contact. Anyway, Ricky Henderson. <laughs> so I don't know if they've changed it, but back in the day at Port St. Lucie, big? No, the 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 stands end around third base, so there's no stands in the outfield. There's not, you know, the not a big stadium. And as the stands end at third base is where the door is to the locker room. So, you know, in spring training, you only play a couple innings and then you're done. So I come out and I'm, I'm waiting. Uh, I'm watching the game. And this area is about, I don't know, 20, 30 feet wide and maybe 15 feet, you know, in depth, right around the third baseline, right around third base. And to the right, you can see the stands. And to the left is a chain link fence about 20 feet high with a door. And fans are lining up there for autographs. And in this open space, the players who have already played come out in their street clothes and they watch the game. So I'm out there with Jay Horowitz and Ricky Henderson. And Ricky had just joined the team. I don't even think he played yet, right? He started in 98 with them. So he's standing there and people are up in the stands yelling, hey, Ricky, hey, Ricky. And he's like ignoring them. He's got his dog glasses on. And there's two kids. Wasn't a big crowd. Just two kids, an older brother and a younger brother. The younger brother is saying, hey, Ricky. Can I get an autograph? Ricky, can I can you sign my ball? Ricky, can you sign my ball? And he's just standing there like this, ignoring him. And the, the older brothers, yeah, hey, can you can you sign my little brother's ball? It wasn't for eBay. It was really for the kid. And he's ignoring them. And the people in the stands are like, hey, Ricky, sign the kid's ball. Come on, Ricky, sign the ball for the kid. This is going on for five minutes, 10 minutes. Finally, he looks up and he goes, you want Ricky to sign the ball? Yeah, Ricky, sign the ball. He says, I'll sign the ball if you suck my... And he, he said it. <laughs> and how did people react to that? And they were like, they were like, they were like, they cursed him. And he was like, yeah, I thought so. And he put his, he, he well, went back Ricky. and he, and so uh, Jay Horowitz grabs his arm and, and pulls him off to the side away from the kid wanting the autograph. And so, yeah. So that apparently if you want an autograph from Ricky Henderson, you have to autograph his balls. You have to perform sexual yeah. pleasures. Yeah. You imagine oh, that? Wow. Welcome to the team, Ricky. Good Lord. Now that would never fly because literally everything's on video and be on social media and he'd be cut from the team within uh, before the game even started. So it's a different world. Well, the good stories there. David Brody, follow him on Twitter at David Brody and check out the Brooklyn boys podcast. David, let's keep the positive vibe rolling so we can, we can make a 2023 jingle. Uh, maybe they'll play that at city field and uh, hopefully we'll catch up later in the season. Thanks for coming on. Amazing. But true. My pleasure. Let's go Mets.
Yes, the Jumbotron Wanted was a big chicken parm fan, and uh, vegans attacked me after that. All right, thanks to David Brody. Great stuff for him. Cool stories, and I love those jingles. I remember them very well, so it was cool that he was a big part of making those happen because um, those were actually big parts of my childhood. I love Who Let the Mets Out, you know, and we say Let's Go Mets. I love those. I appreciate that. That's the Good Night's episode 160 of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz and the intern Nick Guzman for helping me produce the show. Subscribe to Amazing But True on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe to the New York Post Sports YouTube page. You can watch the full episode right here. Find that Amazing But True playlist. Keep up. We post all shows and all clips there. Give us a thumbs up below and comment, is it real? Are the Mets for real right now? Are the Mets back? Follow us on Twitter at Amazing But True and at Jake Brown Radio. We got one more show before the All-Star break. That'll be Monday as we recap the first half. Look ahead to the second half of the season. It'll be me and Nelson Figueroa and potentially a special guest. So stay tuned for that. This was an incredible five days. But don't make it like last time, five days. Keep this run going. Get yourselves closer to 500. And hey, maybe when the Mets return home to face the Dodgers, which now could be a big series next weekend, maybe they could get to 500 that weekend. And after what happened in June, as ridiculous as it sounds, that would be a major accomplishment. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Amazing But True. Jake Brown signing out. We'll talk to you Monday. And as always, let's go Mets. Oh, wow.